You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit zennovascotia.com. I don't know how long ago we started talking about this text, Guidelines for Studying the Way. It feels like a long time ago. But tonight we get to the end, to part 10, and it's short. It's a summing up. And it's titled, Immediately Hitting the Mark. There are two ways to penetrate body and mind. Studying with a master to hear the teaching and devotedly sitting zazen. Listening to the teaching opens up your conscious mind, while sitting zazen is concerned with practice enlightenment. Therefore, if you neglect either of these when entering the Buddha way, you cannot hit the mark. It starts off, he says, there are two ways, and it sounds like you could choose. He's saying there's one way, and it has two parts. One, you study with a master to hear the teaching, and two, you practice zazen. That act of listening, it works on you in a way that you can understand. Right? It's, it's like the food that you eat off your plate and the, the nutrients that you get from an IV. Eating off of the table, you see, oh, this is corn. This is bread. And you can think about it. And you can say, oh, this, these have these nutrients. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have too many of these. Maybe I should have more of this. And you select this, this thing for yourself. You, know, you, you try to take as much as you can. But you're also measuring it as you go. That's one way of understanding input. And Zazen, it's more like the IV. There's something that's in your bloodstream. It's happening. It's working. But you never get to know how. Ever. (laughs) You never get to break it down. You never get to analyze it. You never get to say, oh, I had this much of this in Zazen today. (laughs) The ingredients for my Zazen today were this, this, and this. The second it touches you, It is your body. So the ingredients of Zazen are always the same. It's you and it's this moment. And you can't break it down more than that. Dogen is saying both matter. If we want to keep going with this analogy, your body is always metabolizing whatever it is that you're taking in. And if Zazen is is the bloodstream, then there's no separating that act of metabolizing from that practice. 
Zazen chews on the things that you ingest. So let yourself hear something. Let yourself take something in. Let yourself be surprised by something. Go out and find that. And then let it work. You don't need to know how. You don't need to see. There's always this talk about studying with a master. And he's pretty specific. He means a Zen master. And I think it's awkward to sit here and push this too hard, <laughs> right? It's not a really big town. <laughs> so I'll, I'll talk about it in a different way. I don't mean to dilute what he's saying. He means it literally. He means you go and you find a Zen teacher and you study with that Zen teacher. But there are lots of different kinds of teachers. There are lots of things that we can ingest. There are lots of lives that we can model our lives on. There are things we can try. I think I've mentioned that from the time I was 10 until forever, I have been deeply inspired by Gandhi. Not just by his actual life, but my, by my idea of his life. From the first time I saw the movie, the poster in my bedroom shook me up. Every day it shook me up. Every day I looked at it and it made my life look small. Every day I looked at it and I wondered if there was something that I should be giving up so that someone else might get something. He was my introduction to the idea of renunciation. He was my introduction to the idea of a bodhisattva, even though he probably never used that word in his life. He made me question my life, and I never met him. <laughs> when you encounter someone, living or dead, real or fictional, who bothers you deeply, who keeps you awake at night because their life makes you question your own. As far as I'm concerned, that also counts. You should pay attention to that. You should listen to that. And practice. And let your body metabolize that. That's a good start. Everyone has a body-mind. I've mentioned this before, but, but body-mind, in, in, traditionally in Chinese or Japanese, is written as mind-body. Mm -hmm. Dogen always switches it. He always puts body first. Everyone has a body-mind. In activity and appearance, its function is either leading or following, courageous or cowardly. 
To realize Buddha immediately with this body-mind is to hit the mark. This is important. Without changing your usual body-mind, just to follow Buddha's realization is called immediate. It is called hitting the mark. This is the point that we have come back to over and over and over and over throughout this text. This idea of without changing your usual body-mind. Don't transform yourself into something else. That's not what Zen is asking. That's not what Dogen is asking. It's more like notice that blood is pumping in your body. Notice it. Notice who you really are and what is really happening and what has been happening from the beginning. You don't have to go into a phone booth and change. Right? You don't have to go to the spiritual gym and work out so that you realize your potential. This has nothing to do with potential. Nothing. It's looking at what you see as being incomplete and recognizing it as full. Not because you've attached a story to it, not because you've imposed a new narrative, but because you see it now. Then we get to the last two lines. To follow Buddha completely means you do not have your old views. To hit the mark completely means you have no new nest in which to settle. That's really good. To follow Buddha completely means to let go of the past. And to hit the mark means to be completely groundless and free right now. Someone told me a long time ago when I first started sitting, I was, I was trying to figure out what this whole Zen thing was and I was reading other books about Buddhism and I was noticing that some schools of Buddhism seem to have kind of a curriculum. You know, you do this and you learn this and after you've learned this, then you do this and through doing that, you learn this and you kind of graduate. And I, I went to the person who first taught me to sit and I said, I don't understand how that aspect of Buddhism fits with this thing that we're doing, where we just keep staring at the wall and, I, and no one's telling me anything more than that. And what he told me at the time, he thought about it for a while, and he said, he said, it's, it's different. He said, Zen is like falling off a cliff. That was his whole explanation. And that seemed very dramatic and kind of exciting. And I thought I would, 
I would go with it. But I really had no idea what that meant. None. It, it just sounded neat. I'm going to jump off the cliff. It sounded brave. Mm -hmm. right. And it was only later, after I'd spent more time in the tradition, that I started noticing that, that he wasn't making that up. That that kind of phrasing is showing up all the time. That that instead of, of a mountaintop that we're aiming for, or a bullseye, it's like a free fall. Mm -hmm. It's a total letting go of trajectory. When we have some some aim, some thought of who we're becoming. That's not just future mind, that's also past mind. Because it has to do with, with direction, it has to do with course. Right? I've gotten here, and now I'm at stage six, and next I'm going to go to stage seven. Right? And I can look back on my life and I can say, wow, you know, back when I was dating her, I was really in stage three. You know, I didn't get anything but I'm going towards stage 10. But here it says, to, to follow Buddha completely, you have to let go of your old views. Old views includes this idea of where you think you're going. It includes this idea of where, what you think you've graduated from. It includes this idea of where you think you're stuck. All of it. And then as soon as that happens, our instinct, even if we accidentally kind of let go, we try to make something new. And he says, don't do it. He says, to follow the Buddha completely is to let go of old views. And to hit the mark is to not grab something new. It's a non-doing. It's, it's so hard. We talked about it last week, and I think the week before that, maybe the week before that. That everything he's saying runs counter to our instinct about effort. The idea that if I can work hard enough, or if I can repeat hard enough, or if I can contract enough around an idea, that I can make it real. You know, I can take this piece of coal and I can make it into a diamond. I can take something that's weak and I can make it strong. I can take something that's broken and I can fix it so that it's new. And oil it up. Dogen is saying over and over and over again. The start point and the end point look the same.
we can't measure what we're doing in terms of improvement. We don't measure it according to a curriculum. Waking up is waking up. Waking up is never waking up to something that wasn't there. Waking up is waking up to what was there and that you didn't see. That's the definition, that's the point. Waking up never includes a new piece. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.